Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Hey, welcome to another Saturday episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Episode 209 of the show, to be a little more specific. My name oh, is who's counting. My name is Steve Baldwin, and Dave and Nico have joined me this morning <clears throat> to talk Marvel's What If Season One, Episode Two. What if T'Challa became a Star Lord? The Star Lord. The Star Lord. I think the, the legendary. Title, I think the title says a Star Lord. Is there I only one? Is there only one? That's a question. Hmm. Well, there's only one per reality. Right? Okay. So now that we're into a multiverse, there are multiple Star Lords, but there's only one per reality. Okay. I All right. see. Right? Mm-hmm. It's an it's an outlaw name. You don't recognize it? I, I don't recognize any of this stuff. I have so many questions. I'm I got halfway through this episode and I just kind of gave up. But I took a lot of notes. Just so, like prom night. <laughs> oh, I never go <laughs> halfway through that. Um all right. The Disney Plus series description for this episode, guys. The rough and tumble space pirates known as the Ravengers abduct T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. Of course, this is Notably, Chadwick Boseman's final performance in the role of T'Challa. The episode starts out with the Watcher's narrative. And the Watcher says, In a multiverse of possibility, is your destiny determined by your nature or by the nature of your world? And it occurred to me that doctors, psychologists, philosophers, armchair or otherwise, hell, even English professors have been debating this since the beginning of time. Is it nature or nurture that determines our fate? And I just thought it was it was a great way, uh, Dave, to sort of like continue this thinking around how our fate is determined. If your question is nature versus nurture as a, an overarching theme for this episode, then yes, I agree 100%. And I, I also love as they go through the episode that there are there are all these little branches and quirks of things that happen so that you, you kind of get the sense like T'Challa is a better Star Lord than uh, than Peter Quill. You know, T'Challa is more who Peter Quill envisions himself as being as opposed to who Peter Quill actually is. Hmm. But in this universe, while Star Lord is a better Star Lord, and a lot of good things happen as a result of that, you're still going to wind up probably in some bad places, and they might even be worse because of how he's touched and altered from what we know the stories of all these various characters and all that's kind of seeded and is a subtle subtext throughout this uh throughout this episode yeah and we'll probably touch on that again later um when we get to kind of a final portion of the episode um some artifacts that we get to see yeah and uh some implications that those make well and 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 thank you for for helping me redirect my own thinking here. I, I really wasn't aiming for just for this episode. I'm thinking more broadly about the entire series. Is it nature or is it nurture? And I think you can make an argument for either one based on what we've seen so far in you know a very limited 
hour of programming that we've seen in, in two episodes of what if, but uh, so let's walk through the, this episode um, to your point, Nico, scene by scene and get into some of the details here uh, of what we're, what we're, um, what we're about to discover about this world that T'Challa is in. Um, the episode launches with him grabbing the orb in a similar way that Peter Quill does in the first um, Guardians movie. Uh, only the soldier um, that comes in to abduct him uh, recognizes him immediately as Star-Lord. Not a Star-Lord, but he calls him Star-Lord. Doesn't call him T'Challa, calls him Star-Lord, begins to you know, bow and wonders if he should be kneeling. Um, and I thought it was great sort of the juxtaposition of him, of, you know, of the, the soldier saying, of course you would be humble, classic Star-Lord, kind of flipping the, the script on who we know from the films as Star-Lord. Well, if you want to go a little bit further, and I'm going to pull a Scott here on this moment, um, some small details that kind of juxtapose, that kind of juxtapose the differences between this What If episode and the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So in the movie, that little device that Peter Quill uses to pull the orb out, he throws it on the ground, doesn't he? And in this episode, we see he holds that straight out in his hand and sucks it straight into his hand instead of throwing it on the ground. Not a big deal, but just a small difference. And then later on, after the fights, where we see in the film Guardians of the Galaxy, when um, Peter Quill throws another device that kind of gravitates all of the soldiers in the room together and kind of sucks them together. In this, T'Challa throws something that pushes everything away. So it's not big deal, but it's just different. Yeah, and I, I thought, you know, there's there's a lot of that here where there's they sort of flip the script. And I think that's the that's part of the point of the what if uh um sort of vibe is to to surprise you and to sort of come up with these alternate um, and, and curious little plot twists that, that are um, really kind of surprising. And there were a few um, in this episode. The first one that came to mind for me um, as I was watching the show uh, or the, the first one that became evident for me was who comes to rescue T'Challa as he's coming out of the, you know, after he steals the orb, uh, is but Yondu, and and Dave wasn't Yondu and Star Lord are sort of arch enemies in the in the original comics, right? Yes, they, well, in the original MCU movie, yes, they are. They had a they had a falling out, but in this reality, because uh, T'Challa Star Lord is better than Peter Quill Star Lord, uh, he's reformed his father. He's turned the Ravagers into a, a band of merry men, modern Robin Hoods, and every whereas with Peter Quill things just never quite work out like it's close, but it never quite works out. And with T'Challa, everything succeeds spectacularly. This guy has the Midas touch. And you just, you see that seeded throughout this episode with pretty much everything that he does. Cause it's the classic star Lord move that everything works out the way he wants it to. Right. He's, he's sort of got the, he's got star Lord's, penchant for for thievery and they, there's actually a reference to to robin hood um robin leech right it's like the it's like your classic earthling hero robin leech right um he's got that penchant for thievery but T'Challa's Chita, empathy 
empathy and just the Midas touch to use to steal your words. Yeah, um, it's, it's to take from the rich to give to the poor, which is different from thievery in Robin Hood's mind, of course. Exactly. At one point, he says around this time in the show, he says, no treasure is as worth as much as the good that can be done with it. He, he is he is a hero um, in, in so many ways, very much unlike the Star-Lord that we've become used to, which is sort of like um, sort of sort of a scoundrel, a little bit of a, a, a the anti-hero almost. Um at this point, we get a flashback, so we get some history um, to to help us understand how we've gotten to this point. We flash back to 1988 um, and a little bit of narrative from The Watcher. He says, what you call destiny is just an equation, a, pro- a product of variables, right place, right time, or in some instances, wrong place, wrong time. And it just made me think, Nico, you know, who's to say right or wrong? Are, are, we're observing something different. Are, are we to make judgments about what is right or wrong? Is the show driving us in that direction? Or are we just intended to be an observer like the watcher? Oh, fuck, man. I just watch this show and enjoy every minute of it. I am not thinking into it at all. I mean, the show is called What If. If you think too hard on what ifs, then like you're going to stress out over every facet of your life. So, I mean... We can debate all sorts of things um, forever, but this show is literally in its title, just kind of a, I think, for fun sort of thing. Um, I'm not taking too much of it very seriously. I, I, I want to debate nature versus nurture. I mean, let's, let's, you know, I think there's some deeper meaning that we can pull from this. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I, I think one of the central conceits generally of the What If comic series is that it, it, there's rarely a happy ending. Hmm. everything is is darker than the reality of the mainline marvel comics story that we read so if we're i'm translating that to marvel cinematic universe terms uh the one sacred timeline is the happy ending timeline it's where things work out it's where the rat trips the thing in the van that summons ant-man back and that was the difference that allowed the avengers to beat thanos in endgame Hmm. that rat Mm -hmm. is what saved the day the one timeline where the rat did the thing what if is about exploring all the other realities where it might seem good, but it, it really isn't. At the end of the day, it winds up being worse than what you have here. So you might think, you know, one of my favorite what if comics from the original run is what if Gwen Stacy had lived, Gwen Stacy being Spider-Man's uh, girlfriend from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And that comic just goes very, very dark very quickly as Spider-Man saves Gwen Stacy that fateful night. There is rarely a happy ending and what if, and that's kind of the point. It's a little bit of a masochistic comic book. And I anticipate the series will be a little masochistic in that way. Cause this was for all the fun of this episode, that was a flipping sinister ending to me. That was not a happy place. The very, you're talking about the very, very last scene. Yes. Almost yes. Like for for all the, for all the joy and fun of seeing T'Challa as like the world's most successful star Lord and all the good that he does. It's like, Oh, here's an ending where it just all goes to crap really quickly. All right. You'll have to explain why that's so bad to me when we get there. Let's, let's keep walking through the plot here. Um, We see, we see Yondu as sort of a quasi father figure to, to the young T'Challa in this flashback. He says, you know, um, we can show you the galaxy. Why stop at one world when we can show you all of them. And then we fast forward 20 years later to this bar. And they're they're chilling out in the bar. The Revengers are in the bar. 
Ravagers. Uh, the Ravengers, sorry. Uh, it, it never, the Revengers. That's actually pretty good. Um, it, they say, you know, they're, they're joking around. It never hurts to hurt a scroll, right? And they're, they're laughing. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the Ravengers says, how did you stop Thanos, the mad Titan, from decimating half of the universe? And then who's there as one of their buddies? Thanos. So this was, this was the other big flip, flipping the script for me that I thought was a lot of fun. I did too, and it, it changes things, right? Because now Thanos uh, Thanos doesn't do the bad things that we see him doing. And to me, it's important to keep in mind the timeline of all of this. Because the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is kind of where this what-if story takes place on the timeline, that takes place before the events of Iron Man and most of Marvel Phase 1. So all this stuff is happening before any of the stuff that we know and have experienced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in real time. So not only is Thanos not going to be the Mad Titan for uh, Infinity War and Endgame, he's not going to be the impetus for the Avengers getting together in the first Avengers movie because the invasion of New York was precipitated by Thanos' manipulative actions of Loki. Well, that um, puts a whole lot more questions into the ending Right, that's what I'm saying. It's it's actually a fairly dark ending when you get down to it. <laughs> like, what does that mean for what we see later? Yeah, Oof. I love that Thanos says, "I'm big. En- I'm a big enough man to admit when I was wrong." But then he argues, um, although I still assert my plan was was not without its merits. And there's a couple of references to you know, I'm pretty sure that's still considered genocide there, big guy. <laughs> so it, 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 yeah, it, it's. It's done very laughing and tongue in cheek, but it, it, it works in the context of the story. And then, of course, uh, Nebula, who's in here, is not like the half robotic Nebula. Now she's like a total va va voom femme fatale yeah. Bond villainess. Right. I was going to say maybe- blonde, which I would not have pictured. Honestly, I would have thought Nebula was a redhead, but that's just me. Uh, agreed. But maybe the sexiest animated Disney character ever next no, to. No, sir. That's Jessica Rabbit. Uh, Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but Jessica Rabbit just oozes sexuality on purpose. Nebula is very sort of subtle. Um, yes, because when I think of Nebula, subtle is exactly what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> I loved uh, Drax the Destroyer as the bartender. That was fun. That was pretty good. That's not a good selfie. I look great. You look horrible. Let's do it again. That was great. Um, and then, so, so then you, we, we finally make our way 10 minutes into the episode to the, the doohickey with the thing that they've got to find, which yeah, is the, Mag- the MacGuffin to put in the doohickey is, uh, Greg Lentz summarizes the plot of every Marvel movie. <laughs> yes. Which is the embers of Genesis that can heal an entire dying planet and feed billions. It sounds and- remarkably like the Genesis device from Star Trek to the wrath of Khan, just throwing it out there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the Chichala, of course, can't resist. You know, we've been um, we've been trying to we've been trying to rob from the rich to give to the poor. It's time to rob the bank. And so um, there's a, there's a, a couple of funny lines in there where, you know, they're trying to explain the relationships. Uh, there's a revelation that Nebula is the adopted daughter of Thanos and T'Challa kind of deadpans to the camera. I've been trying to get them into counseling. Um and there's a revelation that the stuff, this embers of Genesis is held by the collector. So we're going to see the collector again. Yeah. So Thanos is a big bad eliminated right. from the scene. There's the vacuum nature abhors a vacuum. looks like the collector has moved into that. 
right? And they call him which a is, ruthless. Oh, sorry, Nico. I was going to say, which is kind of cool because in the comics, the collector really is a big bad. Yeah. And in the movies where we've seen him, he's really not. Right. You know, and he just got kind of passed over and like dealt with in a single scene in the movie and just kind of disappeared. And in the comic books, he actually really is a like a big, bad, strong, you know, powerful character. In the opening sequence um, with with Star Lord stealing the or- the orb, I thought there was a reference to Ronan. I thought one of the soldiers said, "Oh, my boss Ronan." Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, and I was expecting to see him, but it turns out in this episode, the big bad, the they refer to him as the ruthless kingpin. The collector. Uh, did you catch that, or was I wrong about that? No, because no, yeah, I caught it too. In the original Guardians, uh, that character did work for Ronan the Accuser, so it, it you know, they they name checked it here just to keep our our realities lining up where they're supposed to line up, but then moved into the reality of this what if, where Collector is the big bad as opposed to Ronan or Thanos or or any of these people. Because I mean, Ronan was after the Infinity Stone at that point in time, as I recall. And it was, I don't remember if Ronan was working as a cat's paw for Thanos at that moment or if Ronan was trying to like beat Thanos to uh, an Infinity Stone. He was supposed to be working for Thanos, but his plan all along was to kind of double cross him and keep the Infinity Stone for himself. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was working for Thanos. Got it. Okay. All right, so so the team hatches a plan to distract the collector and find the embers of Genesis. Um, walking through the collector's warehouse, I guess collection. collection. Um, we of course we we have to stumble upon Howard the Duck. There, there's a lot going on in that warehouse, by the way. There's 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 eagle-eyed people who have been writing articles about what all is in that warehouse. All I've done is watch the article and take notes. So. Share away if if I, uh, if you've got uh, notes you, you if you've got notes man I'm 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 extemporaneous you're Mister Prepared Notes guy reading things I have no I have no uh, other other way to do it uh, I don't understand this world so but what what did you see what did you guys see eagle-eyed observers and all knowers of the Marvel universe what what did you guys see back in that warehouse anything it, well there's the, uh, the 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 trophy room sequence which will I think we'll save but some of the the other things I am pretty sure there were ships there from uh from the champions homeworld from the Thor Ragnarok movie I'm pretty sure there were some spaceships from that there which makes a little bit of sense because in the comics the champion and uh uh, excuse me, the Grandmaster, not the champion, the Grandmaster and the Collector are actually brothers. They're part of a group known as the Elders of the Universe. Uh, but it's also just kind of a sign of that this Collector is really moved to consolidate power in the absence of a, a big galactic bad like Thanos. He's kind of knocking yeah. off these other, you know, lesser tiered characters out there to consolidate his power base. And uh, I've seen the notes on this. I haven't found it in the episode, but I read there was an X-Wing fighter somewhere in that collection no kidding that's cool all right steve will have to go find that for sure um howard the duck of course immediately drops the penis joke voiced by seth green voiced by scott himself seth green yeah gotta gotta nod to that um okay so the diversion begins there's a big fight and sorry i don't know names the girl with the electric pole thing jumps in and realizes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a diversion 
it's a diversion right away. She says, you know, alert the collector. Howard and T'Challa, again, Howard the Duck, it's happy hour just started. What are you doing? Um, and T'Challa's running out and the necklace that he's wearing begins to glow that, uh, you know, he, and he turns and realizes there's a Wakanda ship nearby. He walks into the Wakanda ship and there's mannequins in the pilot seats. It's kind of creepy. It's like a museum. Is that what the is that what the it's, collector's thing is? Is it like a museum? Is it supposed to be like a museum? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. People pay to go in. No, or it's just like for him. personal. Okay. All right. He's just an egomaniac, <laughs> egomaniacal. Nut. He's not there to serve others. Hang on. He's a bad guy. Let's right. be real here. Okay. Uh, well, I thought maybe he's an entrepreneur, like a space entrepreneur. I don't know, selling tickets or something. Um, Who needs money when you have everything else? That's true. Uh, not for long, though. But he he stumbles upon a recording from his father um, who calls it a homing beacon. I hope you find this homing beacon. Um, he's searching for his son that, that was abducted. And T'Challa realizes now the truth of, of his existence that um, a nebula had um, tricked him, had turned on him, uh, saying that he she has a debt with the collector and you are the payment, that Yandu has been lying, um, that he's actually not part of Yandu's family. And now he's in, he's, T'Challa is captured in a collector's box, but it turns out that it's a double, double cross, a triple cross. Nebula was necessarily tricking um the collector into giving her some time to steal what was it uh the the stuff the embers of genesis <laughs> and, and by the way on that wakanda ship thing i i was kind of thinking while i was watching it that when i was young you know if missing kids wound up on milk cartons mm. and this missing kid got like spaceships sent into the universe to look for him like Seriously, the rich do live a different life from the rest of us. <laughs> That's so true. I love the design on that ship, by the way. That was a really cool design. It kind of remind me of uh, of the Falcon when it was uh, blasting out of Moss Eisley, when it uh, blasted out of the mm -hmm. collection. Sort of similar shape. Anyway, um, I, I, so question, who is Karina? Who is the girl in pigtails and what, what is her significance in the, this universe? Um, nothing. She's just one of the collector's like slave servant girls. Okay. Um, yeah, but she... in the original guardians of the galaxy movies, yeah. um, she's the one that when they opened up the orb and found the infinity stone inside, she was kind of like psychotic a little bit and she was, you know, she was a slave and treated like shit. Okay. Okay. And so she had that like breaking moment in the in the film where she ran up and grabbed the Infinity Stone to try to gain some power to you know escape and not be a slave anymore. Um, okay, so she was a slave to the collector essentially. Not, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. She was just yeah, another part it, of the collection. Yeah, oh. but it it was a true moment how that wound up because they established in the films like she was she was a slave but she was looking for her moment. Got it. She chose the wrong moment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in this one, she, she chooses the right moment because she lives and now she has power over her former master. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. And I will point out Redhead. <laughs> Was she? Was she blonde in the movie? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right. Then there's, there's, uh, there's another battle, and this one's pretty epic. T'Challa versus Collector. Um, 
And it turns out the collector has some weapons. He's collected some weapons. He's got an Asgardian sword, and I think it was an Asgardian headpiece that he wears. We see in pretty, you know, revealed in, in plain sight in the background. Cap's shield is back there in his in his weapon weapon store house. He's got a dagger. Um, you know what, what else he's got in there? What else is back there? Mjolnir. Thor's hammer was sitting there right next to Cap's oh, shield. No kidding, I missed that. And the okay. sword, the, the dagger that he pulls out is actually a dark matter dagger from the Dark Elves that we see in uh, the Thor films. Mm. Um, so, Which yeah, implies that he has at least one Infinity Stone already. If he's fought mm -hmm. the Dark, if he's fought Malekith and has Malekith's weapon, that would suggest that he might have recovered the, uh, the Aether or the... Uh, yeah whatever stone that was i forget that's cool but, I, but I, I, it, it, it so one the the trophy room moment that is a staple of marvel alternate reality storylines is there's often some reveal where some character has this trophy room of artifacts to establish like oh all these characters are captured or dead and therefore off the board mm. so Think about what I was saying about the timeline of where this was. This The first Guardians of the Galaxy movie happened prior to the events of Iron Man 1. So Captain America is still in the ice, and yet he has the shield. That doesn't bode well for Captain America being revived, correct? Mm -hmm. Thor hasn't even been banished to Earth yet, but he's been, you know, the hammer's been stripped from him. That doesn't bode well for Thor being alive. Or at this point now for the Avengers forming, if Captain America and Thor are off the board. And that headdress is Hela's headdress from Thor Ragnarok. So he's already defeated her and taken her headdress. So, again, the events that happen right at the end, at the epilogue of this episode, a lot of major characters that might be able to do something about what's going to happen as a result of that epilogue are now off the board. And um, you have to think about, too, that hand that the collector comes out with, right? Oh, yeah. That big rock hand. Back to the point you were making about um, the, the uh, Grandmaster's planet. That's where that character was. Mm -hmm. So if there are ships that are from that planet, that would only make sense, you know, because he's got that hand from one of the gladiators that was there. So, yeah, yeah he's probably already on the guy's over name. that whole planet. Blanking on the guy's name, but it was the guy that was played by Taiki. Yeah. Um, oh, Taika Watiti. Yeah, Taika Watiti. Hmm. Um, hi, my name's Gork. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. Is it Gork or something like it that? It starts with I a K. Remember. I'm totally blanking on it. I'm a horrible person, yeah. but it's early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm made of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not how it works here. He's but so yeah, so he's right he's now. got he's he's got the hand from that guy, you know, and um, which means that he's gone too, which is sad, you know, because that's such a such a lovely character. Um, Noob Slayer three sixty one is uh is saying bad things to me, Thor. All right, well, the collector's going to get his fate is his fate is sealed at the end of this episode anyway. I think um, so he's going to get oh, hit. Karma. Um, yeah, karma. He actually says that right. Um. Good pull. Good pull. Um, all right. So a uh, huge battle ensues. Um, Yondu actually returns to help Thanos. 
Thanos is getting his ass kicked and, and uh, Nebula uses um, the, uh, what is that stuff again? Oh my God. I keep forgetting the name of the oh, Genesis device. Yeah. The Genesis, Genesis device to, uh, to grow. Which, by the way, if we think about it real quick, cause we've seen it a couple of times. Did anybody else get Groot vibes off of that? That's a pretty good. Point. I didn't, but that's a good, uh, that's a good thought to be honest. I'm growing out of the guys, you know? Yeah. Basically, yep. Uh, they end up rescuing the dog. I like that when they flew away. They they've got the the Russian cosmonaut dog with them. Um, uh, at the end, they're flying away, and Ch- T'Challa sort of muses, "I'm not really sure where I belong." And um, Yandu tells him, um, "There ain't no place in the galaxy where you don't belong. It's where you want to be. That's the question. So you're just gonna have to follow your heart, your heart, Mister Star Lord." And of course, he ends up back on Wakanda. Um, the small talk around the Wakandan dinner room is is pretty good. Thanos is still trying to sell the snap um, concept. Um, uh, T'Challa, T'Challa tells his father, I was lost and Yandu found me. And then we jump suddenly to this other place. So let's talk about the ending that we've referred to a couple of times. And I'm sorry, I'm not exactly sure why this is so profound, but Peter working at the Dairy Queen is reunited with his dad. Um, and it's pretty it's dark. Why is this so why is that so terrible, guys? Well what's, what's gonna the, happen? The plot of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is about Peter Quill's father seeking out his son from Earth because he needs his son to reseed himself and take over a planet and continue to live. So now he found Peter Quill. Got it. on earth and his eyes started glowing and the avengers aren't around to do anything about it not only that but peter's working at a fucking dairy queen <laughs> he never had the experiences that he had with the guardians to like grow as a person and be a better person so i mean if you're working in the midwest at a dairy queen and some somebody comes along and says oh yeah by the way you're half god and i'm your dad and look at all the amazing things that we're going to do together. Like he has no other experiences. Like why wouldn't he just give in to that? Mm-hmm. And then when he does, then the end of the world happens and there's no Captain America. There's no Thor. There's no, you know, there's no Avengers to stop it from happening. And who knows what's going to happen. Mm. All right. Now I'm sad. <laughs> that's what i'm saying like that it is a potentially yeah. dark ending like we we that's don't get a snap horrible. but earth may still get destroyed yeah mm-hmm. that sounds pretty horrible but what is it iron man says you mess with time time messes back mm-hmm. uh, and and you have to think too there's no there there i mean potentially there could be no iron man no tony stark and who's going to have the experience with the avengers you know, the these guardians have the one infinity stone, but that doesn't mean that, you know, they, they can't snap everything back. It's not, you know, and and you might argue that T'Challa has, you know, with the guardians a vested interest in keeping Earth safe, but they might not have, you know, Tony Stark to do the thing to make you know, the Iron Man gloves to put in all the infinity stones and they would still have to go and find all the rest of the stones. Mm. You know, we're at that point in, in the MCU, Thanos had already done that. And, 
it took everybody's combined experience to make it happen and all those people are gone wow that just got really bleak really quick welcome to the world of what if my friend <laughs> uh just the last note of course uh the episode at the very end uh in, in copy up on the screen uh it's it read dedicated to our friend our inspiration and our hero chadwick boseman this being his last performance in the the, the character as uh, of, of t'challa um and, and it was wonderful. It was great to hear him, uh, hear his voice. And uh, I thought it was a fitting tribute to him. It was it was quite lovely at the end there. I agree. I loved it. I That actor as that character was everything you could have hoped and dreamed for and more. So it was, it was nice to get to see him or hear him at least one last time. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, this was a lot of fun. These episodes continue to inspire and just make me more curious about the Marvel universe and what we're learning about these characters and, and how they uh, influence the real Marvel universe. I guess the, is there, is there a, what is real? This, this causes me to actually question. This is it. like the deepest podcast we have ever done. You're like nature versus <laughs> nurture. What is real? Oh my well, God, man. It's a comic book podcast. Well, it, it, there's a prime timeline, but who's to say that one of these other timelines isn't the prime timeline. Maybe the timeline that we've been accustomed to is one of the, you know, branching timelines. Do we know no. that? Yeah, Loki actually pretty much summed that up as the timeline we see in the MCU is the, uh, what do they call it, the holy timeline? The sacred the, timeline. The sacred timeline, yeah. It's the know. one timeline where the rat flips the switch and saves the world. Alright, okay. Alright, I guess I can move with that. I don't know, maybe I'm one of the you know, bad guys and I want one of the you know, branching timelines to be actual timeline. Well, that's where we get to watch what is. That's why we have these Saturday shows, because it's like a branching timeline from the show proper. Maybe this is the actual cast of The Wretched Hive. Scott and Greg don't exist. What if <laughs> I don't know. did a show without Scott and Greg? <laughs> Guys, have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday. And until then, may the force be with us all. And watch the Eternals trailer. It's effing great.